0: morning. I'm Bill. I am the campus pastor down here, and it's great to be with you this morning as we continue on in our series in 2nd Peter. We're, uh, as you can see up there, we're calling it Reminder. And to start us off this morning, I want to tell you about the weekend that I had last weekend. So Erica and I got the privilege of leading a couples retreat at Lake Lundgren at last weekend. So we had an awesome time. And on Friday, we stood up, and I asked for a show of hands on how long people had been married. So we kind of said, if you've been married five years, raise your hands. You've been married ten years. It's kind of like a common thing you do at a couples retreat. But uh, what was really interesting about it is that as we went through it, we got to over 30 years. We said, how many of you have been married over 30 years? And we looked out, and we noticed that probably half the room had been married 30 years. Erica and I, just for reference— have been married for 10 years. And so here's what (laughs) Erica and I are standing up in front of this room of people who had been married for 50 plus years or 30 plus years and we're leading this couple's retreat. It was kind of a surreal experience. Um, But the cool thing was, is that Erica and I teach about marriage from God's word. And multiple times throughout the weekend, even the couples who were married the longest would take us aside and they would thank us For reminding them of the truths of God's word. And I thought that was just profound. Because Erica and I didn't have uh, as much wisdom to share with them from our own experience as they had. But when we looked at God's word, there was a lot of reminders to people. In fact, even so much so that during an optional breakout session, the couples who actually showed up to the optional breakout session were the couples who were married the longest. Because they wanted it for their marriage. Sure, they probably already knew much of what was being taught, but they wanted to be reminded. No matter how long you have been following Jesus, no matter how many times you have heard it, there is always a need to be reminded of what's true. And this is a theme in the book of Second Peter and why we named the series Reminder. Uh, Peter multiple times uh, says that he's reminding the believers of the foundation of God's truth. Peter wants this letter to serve as an anchor point to the truth about his teachings. In fact, the opening part of our passage today is about how Peter desires to remind, refresh, and remember the core truths about Jesus. And what I love is is that in this passage, he not only communicates his desire to remind us, but he's going to talk about solid reasons for the basis of our faith. In fact, our passage today reminds me of something that Peter said in his first letter. In 1st Peter three fifteen, Peter says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give an answer. We're going to see in this passage that Peter lives out these exact words that he writes in this passage. He gives th- these reasons as a way of reminder to these believers encouraging them with solid truth that they can come back to over and over again, even after Peter is gone. Uh, As I was studying this week, I don't know why this kept coming to mind, but I kept on thinking about this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 7. In this parable, Jesus describes two types of people who hear his words. The first one is the guy who hears Jesus' words and takes action, building his life around them. So he hears Jesus' words and Builds his life around them. In verse 24 in Matthew 7, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And the second guy in this parable is the guy who doesn't do those words. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You know, Peter's name that was given to him by Jesus was Peter, which means rock, right? He was called Simon before that. And Peter is the guy who has established his whole life in teaching around living out what he learned from Jesus. It's a really cool correlation. Peter, the rock, is the wise man. And now he is desperately trying to make sure that this next generation of believers don't forget these core truths about Jesus. He's intent on making sure that you and I really truly know the hope that we have in Jesus and how it's supposed to transform our lives. So let's jump into our passage this morning. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 21. That's where we're going to be this morning. And as we're turning there, let's pray. Lord, just like the couples in the couples retreat last weekend who've been married for 50 years, we need reminders. No matter how long we have been following you, we need to remember what you say in your word. We need constant, constant reminders of what you've told us to do, because we live in a world that doesn't always see it that way, that doesn't always follow you, that gives us alternative truths. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, as we open up your word, as we look at what your servant Peter said to us, that you would help us remember, that you would help us to know that our faith is established, that you would help us to know the truth of the words of scripture and the words of prophecy that you've given to us, Lord, that you would help us to know that we can rely on these things. We pray this in Jesus name 2nd Peter 1 and we're going to look at 12 through 15 first. Here's what it says So I will always remind you of these things Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now In the truth you now have I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as the Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. The truth that we get from Peter is that every follower of Jesus has the need to be reminded, refreshed, and to remember. First, we need to be reminded. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth. We talked about this a little bit the first week. Peter says, listen, I know, I know you know these things. I know that you've already understood. I know that you understand that you're supposed to be adding these new qualities to your life now that you belong to Jesus. Remember what Ryan talked about last week, or if you were at Bellevue, what Jack talked about, that we're supposed to be adding these new qualities to our life. Remember what he says earlier on in chapter 1. It says, it is my job that even if you already know that you're supposed to live this out, that I still remind you of it. It's kind of like dealing with children. You know, my son is eight years old now. And uh, what's cool about being eight years old is that you're at the point where you can actually memorize all of the rules and the routines of, that your parents have for you in your life, right? And so my son is so good at knowing the rules and the routines of our household— That he just so ever graciously all the time corrects his sisters when they break the rules, right? (laughs) He's so good at it. Like, he can, like, there's some times where um, they're doing, like, one of his sisters is doing something wrong, and it's almost like I'm talking, okay? Is how good he is at correcting um, his sisters. But how often do you think that um, we have to remind Isaiah of the same rules? How often do you think? Like, all the time, right? He knows it. It's not that he doesn't know it. He knows it. He he knows it so well that he can tell his sisters verbatim what we say. And yet we have to remind him all the time. Can I just say, that's us. That's you and me when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We are all kids when it comes to God's kingdom. We know. Some of us know that we know that we know. And yet we still need reminders from God. And that's what Peter is doing in here. Peter also wants to refresh our memory. Verse 13, says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. Peter says, look, it's been revealed to me that sooner rather than later, I'm going to physically die. And so while I'm still here with you, I want to make sure you have a good memory of what it's like to live for Jesus. You know, I used to do this guys' accountability group, and uh, we would go to Nicolet. Anyone go to Nicolet Cafe in De Pere? Great little breakfast spot, okay? A favorite De Pere spot. And uh, we, would, we would go there, and we would meet at, like, 5 a.m. And at 5 a.m., like, coffee is, like, your best friend, right? Like, you just—you need the coffee, right? And there's this one waitress that worked there that she would—was um, so good at her job— that she never let you see the bottom of your cup. Anyone ever have a waitress like that? Right? Like, she would never let you see. So, like, I would, like, physically try to drink the coffee as quickly as possible to see if I could beat her. And every time, it'd be like, she's not even in the room. And I'd go to take the last sip, and she'd be like, ah! And she'd pour it and fill it up. And she was just so good at it. She always made sure that you had a fresh cup. Peter says, look, my time is coming soon. My shift is almost over on this earth, but until it does i'm going to be the one who refreshes your cup I'm going to keep it warm. I'm not going to let you forget And and when you think about what peter is saying here You start to realize that this is actually a mark of a godly leader Of an influencer for jesus. This should be us with our friends and our family. This should be us as we influence people around us. We should be constantly refreshing people and reminding them about the wonderful truths of following Jesus. That's you and I's call in this life. Finally, Peter wants us to remember. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. The cool thing here is that you can look back through history and see that what Peter is saying here actually worked and is true. His goal was to make sure that even after he was gone that people would continue to remember and live out the truth about Jesus. And we are here over 2000 years later still remembering and still proclaiming the truth about Jesus. Peter and the apostles were effective at reminding the church about what it means to follow Jesus. So we have a need to be reminded, refreshed, and to remember. But Peter doesn't just stop there in this passage. He backs, he, um, backs up his reminders with solid evidence as to the basis for our faith. Through this next part of the passage, Peter is going to describe three ways, three ways in which our faith is firmly established. And these are three things that we can always remember and go back to. And so the first way is that our faith is established through the testimony of, of the witness. Look at verses 16 through 18, the testimony of the witness. This is what Peter says. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain Peter says listen The faith that you have right now Doesn't have its basis in some scheme that people came up with in order to make you believe it No, peter himself is an eyewitness of jesus and peter himself Saw the majesty of jesus on the mountain with his very own eyes That's the source of what he's saying is true. He saw it. Now, one thing you might not know about me is that I am an avid podcast listener. I love podcasts, okay? And um, so I listen to podcasts all the time. And one of the podcasts I listened to for a time was about cults. I don't know why I was interested in it, but it was really interesting. Until so one day, I'm listening to these two hosts, and they began to talk about their belief that just like cult leaders, all Christian leaders know what, what they're saying isn't really true but they're playing the game in order to get donations and be in a position of power and needless to say this i don't listen to this podcast anymore that idea really irritated me right and this is actually a quite a popular idea in our secular society it's a disbelief in true conviction like there are people out there who believe that no one really has true conviction in believing and following jesus Now, because it's a podcast and not a live show, when I was listening to this, I really wanted to call in, but there's no one to call into, right? And and so I wanted to tell them how wrong they were, and if I could have responded, I would have said two things to them. Number one, I could not and would not do this job if I didn't 100% believe that the Bible and all it contains is the true, inspired, inerrant word of God. To put it another way, as a leader, I base my whole ministry on the conviction that what I'm saying is actually true. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to get up here and do this. And two, I believe because like Peter, I have seen the reality of God in this world and in my very own life. In fact, I have seen it in the lives of people within our church that God transforms people. I have seen it with my own eyes. And this is actually the heart of Peter's argument. The basis for our faith is not just some made-up mythology to go back and prove an invented religion. The basis of our faith is grounded in history. In eyewitness accounts, the New Testament is the most historically reliable document in the ancient world by far. In order to prove the basis of his faith— Peter appeals to the fact that he actually saw a preview of the majesty of Jesus, and he heard God the Father himself speak and confirm that Jesus was who he said he was. He saw and heard with his own eyes. The account of this is actually called the transfiguration, and you can find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all write about it. Matthew 17, 1 through 6 puts it this way. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and two brothers James and John and he led them up a high mountain to be alone. And as the man watched or as the men watched Jesus appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, "Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I can make us three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah." But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Peter is saying, Look, the basis for my faith isn't just some story. It's that I saw the real majesty of Jesus in a preview of what it's going to be like when Jesus returns in his glory. And remember, Peter is about to face a gruesome death. Peter was crucified on a cross upside down. That's what he was facing for his faith. He has every reason to deny his true faith if it is not true. If it's just some cleverly devised myth, then it's not worth dying for, and it's not worth dying for like that. And yet he tells us that it's true. And the bottom line is that Peter got this glimpse of king jesus in all of his majesty and so there's no way that you're going to convince him that it's not true or that jesus is not coming back our faith is established through the testimony of the witness and that brings us to number two faith is established through the source of the message look at verse 19 we have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy never had its origin in human will but prophets though human spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit peter's is saying it's not just my eyewitness though we also have the prophecies, even though they came through humans, they were spoke by God himself, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want you to think for a second about Peter's life. Peter had a front row seat into all the ways in which Jesus fulfilled the prophecies about him. The Old Testament had, pred- had been predicting from long ago what the coming Messiah would say and do. And now the disciples, they didn't always get it. When Jesus was on earth, they didn't always understand that he was fulfilling prophecies. But when they looked back at all Jesus did and said, it became clear to them that Jesus actually did fulfill all of the prophecies that were spoken about him. One of my favorite stories is from Luke 24. On the road to Emmaus, the resurrected Jesus rebukes disciples for being slow to believe the messianic prophecies about himself. And as the scripture says, it says, In the beginning, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning to himself. That means the resurrected Jesus appeared to his disciples, he walked along the road with them, and he told them every single which way that he fulfilled the prophecies that were said about him throughout scripture. The early church knew that the prophecies of long ago had been fulfilled in Jesus because the resurrected Jesus told them so. In the gospel, there are over 45 references to fulfilled messianic prophecy. In fact, while Jesus was still here, he pointed quite a bit to the prophecies about himself. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Moses himself wrote about Jesus. On the cross, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a prophetic message from Psalm 22. And after Jesus rose from the grave, he said that these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. The bottom line is this. Peter knows firsthand the truth of prophecy that comes from God. What Peter has witnessed in his lifetime is that when God speaks through man to talk about his future plan being accomplished, it will be accomplished. He always follows through. Later on, 2 Peter, we see that false teachers are going to try to worm their way into the church, and part of their false doctrine is that they will deny the second coming of Jesus and the judgment. Peter is saying here that God's word can be trusted when it comes from him. And so when it comes to the truth of Jesus' return, there is no question it's going to happen. For the prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets through human, or though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter has seen that God is faithful to fulfill that which he promised. And so our faith is established by the source of the message. And that brings us to number three. Our faith is established through the hope of the message as well look back at verse 19 second peter 1 19 we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts now this part of the passage like i read over and over and over again and i was like man this is really cryptic What is peter talking about here? The light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises What does that even mean peter, right? And I just kept on reading it over and over again And and then I realized that the context of this helps us understand it Remember peter is dealing with prophecy and how it's been reliable in the past And so now he's dealing with the prophecy that jesus will again come again The shining light in the dark place is that prophecy. That's what we have right now. We have this light that's shining in a dark place. So we live in the era right now that Jesus is not physically present on this earth. He's not reigning on this earth right now in his physical presence. And so that in that sense, we're still in a dark place in a way. But there's still light. There's still light. There's the light in the truth and the hope that jesus is going to return the promise is that jesus will return to reign as king And be the light in the darkness But our hope is that This world will not always be this way. We won't always be in a dark place one day jesus will return And when that happens, we no longer need to rely on the prophecy And so the day will dawn and the morning star will rise in our hearts Jesus is the morning star, and he's going to rise in our hearts. Jesus will come. It means that when Jesus returns, we will no longer have the need for the prophecies that point to him. We don't need that light anymore because we will have the source of all light. It'll be Jesus himself. It's, the, it's like the idea of love, letter, love letters. Right now, the church and all the believers in Jesus everywhere have the love letters from God in the form of god's word and in this word he tells us of his love and his plan to return for us and just like a lady might get a letter from her beloved telling him of his imminent return we have these love letters from god now think about it the lady who's in love and she she gets these letters and she treasures the letters. she loves them her beloved when her lo- her beloved is absent all she does is read the letters now, I know we don't live in the time of letters, but do you ever remember getting a note or a letter from someone who you were romantically involved with? Yeah. And you read them over and over again because you are missing them, and you want to remember what they're about and, what they're, and, and their love for you. But once you are reunited with your loved one, once you are reunited together, you don't have as much need for those love letters anymore, And the point of this is that one day we will be with Jesus forever as he reigns as the king in the new heaven, and the new earth. And so no longer will we need the prophecy because we'll have Jesus. That's the hope of the message. And so our faith is established by the hope of that message. And so what's the point of all this? Well, I want to draw you back to the verse I shared in the beginning, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You know, Peter knew his reasons. He was a personal witness to the majesty of Jesus. And we shouldn't miss the fact that you and I are as well. I have a testimony. You have a testimony. You have seen what God has done in your life. You know, I have a testimony that I was once lost and wasting my life on myself I was a sinner destined for separation from god forever But while I was still a sinner christ died for me And as I look back over my life I think and I realize more and more every day that things would have gone massively differently if I would have never met jesus He has transformed me in so many ways, and he's so good to use me in the lives of others. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Peter also knew that the source of the written message was God himself. Peter saw firsthand how the words of Scripture and the prophecy about Jesus was fulfilled firsthand, confirming that which was wit- written was actually true. And, and so let me be like the waitress at the Nicolet and refresh your cup this morning. The words that you find in Scripture are true. They are not cleverly devised stories and myths to con you into believing. No, they were written by men but spoken from God and they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There is much historical evidence as to the validity of Scripture, but can I tell you one of the greatest ways to know for sure that Scripture is true? It's super simple. Live it out. Take God's Word and put it in your life in such a way that you live it out. If you think about the parable that Jesus says, did you notice that the first guy listened to Jesus' words and did them, okay? The second guy still heard Jesus' words It's just that he didn't do them You know, we can easily come to our church and listen to the words of jesus and know the teaching really well But never live them. That's a mistake. That's building your house on the foundation of sand We are called to put it into practice and when we live it Then the words of god prove themselves over and over again in our lives The closer I stay to god's word the more abundance of true life I have in this world And the more I realize that they are actually true They describe that which is true about this world And finally through the words of scripture There is light in the darkness now And and so put it in your heart And put your heart in this truth right now That one day jesus will return And we'll no longer need the love letters because we have jesus himself When he returns, there will be no darkness because his presence will fill this world with the light of his glory. And all of these things should be on our lips and in our minds, ready to be spoken to anyone who asks us to give a reason for the hope that we have. Are you ready to tell people that Jesus is coming? Are you ready to tell people that Jesus is Lord? Are you ready to tell people that his word is true? We need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us. We're so thankful that if we choose to live your words and build, and build our lives on the foundation of your word by living it out, that you bless us, that you help us uh, to have the abundant life that you talk about. Lord, we're so thankful that your word is true. We're so thankful that you fulfill those prophecies of scripture in the person of Jesus. And by knowing that, we also know that you've said that you will return. And so put it in our hearts, Lord, that you're going to return. That you're going to make everything right. That you're going to judge the living and the dead. And that we need you as our mediator. Lord, put that in our hearts. Help us to live every day knowing that that's true. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.